Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Compressed FM, a podcast all about web development and design with a little bit of zest. In this episode, we're going to talk all about transitioning into tech from a non-traditional background. Web development and design, who would have guessed? Well, we can do them both, even add a little zest. So turn up the volume, get ready for the best. Let's get it started in this episode of Compressed. What's up, everyone? My name is James Hugh and I am a full-time technical content creator. Hello, my name is Amy Dutton. I am the Director of Design at Zeal. And this episode is sponsored by Daily.dev, one of Amy and I's favorite extensions that we use in our browser every single day. So every time we open up a new tab, it gives us a list of relevant articles for us based on Categories that we're interested in tech. It's actually basically my number one way to check out new products or find out about new products and tutorials, that sort of stuff. So thank you for daily.dev for sponsoring and make sure to check them out and install the extension at daily.dev. So we're going to talk about transitioning into tech from a non-traditional background and what better a person to reach out to than one of my favorite TikTokers in the web development space. So Tom, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about your background? Absolutely. Yeah. What's up, guys? Tom, you might have seen me on TikTok at Tom is loading. I make some kind of career content. I make a lot of like HTML, CSS, JavaScript stuff. In my day job, I work for Eventbrite. I'm a full stack engineer at Eventbrite. Before I was here, I worked for about a year and a half on a startup with my brother. Before I was there, I worked for Wayfair for a while in big data. Before that, I went to Lambda school. Before that, I was a pipe welder and a failed musician. So yeah, any of those things you want to talk about? (laughs) There's so many. I also didn't realize that you were currently working at Eventbrite. I don't know if I just hadn't done my research or what, but that's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. I I actually, I haven't put my name. I mean, you can find my name if you like look closely at my terminal or something. Like I've had a couple of people add me on LinkedIn that have just sleuthed a little bit, but this is probably the first most public thing where I put my full name. So, you know, and I haven't talked about it a whole lot, but yeah, I'm at Eventbrite. I work on ad tech tools, essentially, for people who want to advertise events. Yeah. It's also hilarious that you mentioned not having your last name very public, because I literally have just only known you as Thomas Loading from TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. Like, at first, I was, like, not positive I was going to do this for Mm. an extended period of time. Like, I was just like, you know, I wanted to give myself a reason to kind of continue learning things that I'm not going to learn at work, which I'm very bad at. Like, I'm honestly, in a way, probably like the anti-content creator when it comes to coding. Like, I see so many people, I'm so jealous. I'm like, how do you just like have the drive to learn all of these things all the time? So I was like, this gives me a really good reason to both learn how to create content, which I think is valuable, and also, you know, learn new things that I'm not going to spend time to learn otherwise. But yeah, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to continue doing this. So I didn't want to put my actual name on it and then have people look it up and it's horrendous. And now I'm like, oh, it actually probably would be pretty valuable if I had my real name on it. So we got to convince Amy to do the same thing. We've been talking about this because her handle on places is self teach me. And everybody on Twitter (laughs) goes to tag her and they search for Amy and can't find anything. Find it. Yeah. I have about decided in terms of branding. This is helpful because we're talking about content and branding and things like that, that to have self teach me is more of a like thing that somebody can, other people can contribute to. Like I Mm want to make sure I'm maintaining that, but then I also have a Haywood from a long time ago. That's my maiden name Mm -hmm. and like go back and start pushing that forward more. The hard part. And this is part of the reason why it's self teach me is I tried to get Amy Dutton for a long time and it's somebody I think in the UK, but if you go there, I think at one point, 
the person that owned it had like fairies in the background and said <laughs> that they were like a design ninja or something. I was like, oh, <laughs> That's <okay."> perfect. <laughs> you could just take the website. <laughs> I know. Tom, I think like we've already had a couple of comments in the chat about transition. So I'm um, one just out of sheer curiosity, talked a little bit about pipe welding as a job career and then like where did the interest in transitioning into tech come from what did that process look like etc yeah so funny like i guess i can kind of start from the beginning for me uh, maybe it will there's someone that will this will kind of you know ring true with as well right out of high school to start even earlier my family's in construction my brother owns who's 10 years older than me owns a really big roofing company my dad was a general contractor and a land developer I grew up swinging hammer, essentially. And that's like what a lot of my family does. And it's like, you know, we're a very trades-based family. Like none of my family, direct family, including me, graduated from college. It's all just, you know, go work in a trade and eventually build a company. So immediately after high school, I graduated high school early and went and learned to weld because welding's a very high-paying job. It's very hard. Like you could, you go work 80-hour weeks, but you get paid a lot for that time. And my brother was doing it at the time. And the idea was going to be to do that to pay for college for something. Mm. And I went to college for mechanical engineering at University of Central Florida. I did one semester and I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> it's like one of those things like I've played with Rubik's Cube since I was a kid and done a lot of very mechanical stuff. My dad was always like, hey, you're very mechanical. You know, maybe one of my kids can go to college, go learn to do this. And I got into it and started talking to people. And I'm like, I don't really want to design valves forever or whatever it was. So I ended up leaving and just welded because my brother was spending a lot of time. And I talked to you guys about it a little bit, but I got really into electronic music and producing electronic music. So was like, cool, I have some leverage for a couple of years. I don't know what I actually want to do to be able to make enough money in short spurts. So when I was working in construction, it would be like four months of ridiculous amounts of work. And then you can kind of take time off. So did that for a while and it's terrible work, but spent from when I was maybe 18 until I was 23 or 24, kind of chasing that career. I got a little bit of I started to gain some popularity with my music, but uh, nothing that was like actually paying the bills. And as soon as I kind of started to get there, I realized that it's not even something that I wanted to do either. So in, I guess, early 2018, started looking for other things to do and realized that there's this thing called a coding bootcamp and it sounded fun. I actually met someone in San Francisco with a friend of mine who was going to App Academy and he was like, yeah, that's great. So, you know, picked up Code Academy and started playing with it and decided to go for it. Love that. Had, is it something you had thought about before? Like, I'm always really curious how people find it and then they kind of make the decision. But it's also like a huge decision, even if like it, it could only be a waste of however much money in six months if it didn't work out. But also like that's a whole career change. So like, is that something like this as a career? Is it something that you had thought about before? Yeah, but I thought about going back to college for it, but I just did not have the means to actually do it. You know, my girlfriend and I were... Like I was saying, I was working construction. She was managing a Starbucks at the time and we were living in my mom's attic. And it was like, I can't, you know, literally like, you know, floor on the ground, like in her extra room with a bunch of extra stuff because we couldn't, you know, afford to really do anything else. And I thought about it for a while. I'd played with it. You know, I took web development classes in high school that were just whatever HTML, CSS, basic stuff. But, you know, that was fun, but I hadn't done any anything serious. I just thought it would be it seemed like a really interesting thing. I like making things like with music, whether it's music or we were talking about Rubik's cubes when I was a kid, I used to take Dremels and putty and make cool Rubik's cubes and sell them online and stuff like that. So I was like, Hey, there's not, doesn't seem like much of a cooler thing to do that, you know, obviously pays well, which is a good perk and you can work all over the world and it's super cool. So as soon as I figured out you could do it and not even pay for it, you know, up front, I went to Lambda school and Lambda school does a 
income share agreement. So I'm like, mm-hmm. that seems like a, a pretty awesome deal to me. So, you know, not really a way to lose in that situation. Yep. And income share for people who haven't heard that before is you go through the program for free. Once you graduate and get a job, then they take a percentage for six months out of your check or something like that to basically pay back the equivalent of what the boot camp would have cost. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. So Lambda, and also I think people have heard of the Lambda school. They're called Bloom Tech now. They've had, they've done some things that I think people have seen were, you know, a little, people don't like them for a number of reasons. I had a good experience, but it's a completely different thing now. So I wouldn't be like, hey, everyone should go there because it's not even the same thing as when I did it. I did it relatively early. But the deal that I got was 17% of your base salary, if and only if you're in a coding job that makes over $50,000 a year up to for two years, up to $30,000. So that's kind of confusing. So if you're making exactly $50,000 a year, you're paying 17% off the top of your paycheck for two years. And it might end up costing you whatever that is, 15, 18 grand, something like that. But if you're making, you know, you get an amazing job making 200 grand, then you'll pay it off in nine months or a year or whatever. Once you hit that $30,000 max threshold of 30. Exactly. Yeah. How was the bootcamp process? Like based on comments that I'm already saying, I think people will relate to this. I'll make a couple of generic comments. Going through a bootcamp, having taught them and seen literally 300 people go through and a low percentage of them actually complete. Going through a bootcamp is one of the most difficult things I think people will ever do in their entire lives. I think it also has the potential to be one of the most rewarding things you do in your entire life. But it's really freaking hard. Were there any like, mm-hmm. did you have those struggle moments? Did you suffer from imposter syndrome? Did you wonder if you were cut out to be a developer? Like, did you share those thoughts? Totally. And I think I got really lucky with kind of the friends that I made. And I would say if anyone's going to do that, like the first thing that you should try and do is not the most important thing while you're in there is to make know that you're there with other people and to like leverage that. Like the people who I saw fall off the most were people who just came in and didn't talk to anybody and then tried to figure everything out themselves. So yeah, I think I got very lucky with the friends that I met while I was in there. At the time, it did make, it made me feel terrible about myself. I was like, I was the worst of the people that I was kind of in a group with, but all of those people have gone on to do amazing, amazing things. And I don't feel so bad about it anymore. But yeah, it was very hard. And Lambda was also a lot more stretched out. I can only imagine with something like App Academy, where it's like a three-month thing. Lambda was like seven months and like not as intense. It was still pretty intense. I mean, it was probably eight to 10 hours a day. But you see some of these people that go through something like App Academy in a three months of like 14 hours a day. That's insane. I did see one person say something about a yo-yo, which makes me want to talk about the fact that I also yo-yoed for no! a number of years. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Every, I was what, not good at that, but I. Uh, what other random hobby can we throw out there to see if you do? <laughs> all of them, literally all of them. Give me all of the hobbies. I was an off-string guy. I don't know how super deep you are into it. It wasn't crazy, crazy deep, but uh, I loved off-string yo-yo, <laughs> like foray. I think it was you what weren't it was deep enough, but like you just used a term I've never even yeah. heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So instead Only of real yo yoers would understand. Yeah. I was bad. This was when I was like, you know, 10 or 11, 12 years old, something like that. But I always, I, it was too frustrating for me. And I smacked my shins too many times with yo yo's. <laughs> yeah. That's great. But yeah, um, I've done all of the weird things. So, any, you know, I, I've spent years rollerblading, whatever kind of weird hobby you can have. My it. kids just got roller skates. So that's been fun. <laughs> nice. Did you get them elbow pads and helmets and stuff too? Uh, they do have, I think, knee pads. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Tom, do you want to touch on like the technical aspect of the boot camp? Like, what were the topics and stuff that were covered? Sure. And yeah. And, and additionally, when you left or when you finished the boot camp, how did you feel confidence wise from a technical perspective? 
Yeah, on that, you won't, but you need to do it anyways. That's what I tell everybody. It's like you're uh, so many people, and I see people in my comments all the time too. And I think that's one thing that I've been lucky enough that I kind of have had, I don't know if it's insulted me or what it is, but I'm like, I'm okay with just sucking at something. And it's like worst case scenario, you go in somewhere, you get fired. That's fine. At least you did something, but nobody feels comfortable as far as what you learned. So it's different in a different bootcamp. The bootcamp that I went to was split up into four week sections. It might be completely different now. Like I said, like Lambda is completely rebranded and they're have a completely different system now. But when I was there, it was, you know, four weeks of HTML, CSS. It was like three weeks of actually learning and then a week of building something, then React for three weeks and then a week of building something with React, then a week of, I think you got to choose. It was either you went like a Java route or a Node route. Most people just learn Node just because it was easier because you already knew JavaScript. So three weeks of that, you build something with that. Then they had, when I did it, I think it was a five-week sprint where they put you in a team to build like an actual project. So they would give you, you could kind of pick like a prompt. Like we built like an SMS messaging tool for, I don't even remember all of exactly what it did, but the idea being to build an actual project that you could put on a portfolio and have something to talk about. So we did that. Then after that, it was algorithms and data structures and just starting to get you to actually apply to stuff. So essentially the idea was get you through learning as much as you could need to possibly, you know, just enter a junior developer role and then kind of force you into actually starting to apply for stuff because everyone has that kind of imposter syndrome. You know, nobody, I think coming out of labs, which is what they called it then was like, Oh, I'm super confident. And I feel like I'm going to be able to actually do this. It was like, cool. I can build something, but I still feel like everyone's way better than me. But all that you can do is just start actually trying, you know, anytime anybody asks me about like, Hey, I don't feel like I can do this. I'm like, just give it a shot. Like the worst case scenario is someone says no to you. And then you're at the same spot you're at right now. I would even argue though, if one person says no to you, that's not like a signal to stop. Totally. Because it's like, even when you hear about some of the best people out there, not necessarily tech, but like Tom Brady was not a great high mm-hmm. school football player. And here he is probably considered the best player of all time in the NFL. Or, you know, same thing with Michael Jordan. You know, I think he didn't even make the team in high school. Mm-hmm. So just because somebody doesn't believe in you doesn't mean that you're not capable of it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny because this can kind of circle back to welding stuff. So in welding they make us take weld tests for every job that we would go on. And it's very, very similar. The only difference is you when you fail stuff, you would have just drip, you know, had to drive from Orlando to Austin, Texas, and then you get there, you do something for an hour and you have to drive home. So I think that kind of helped me get ready for that. But like you said, like when I was first starting to apply for jobs, I probably got 30 or 40 interviews and I only got offers from two of them. Most of them didn't even like give me a second round. Most of them I would fail a take home. When I was first learning, it's like, you know, people get very all up, very worried about like the algorithms and data structures to questions and stuff like this. It's like, I wasn't great at that stuff. I was fine. I was passable, but you just kind of plow through it. You're going to fail some stuff and that's okay. Like my hit rate was whatever, you know, 5% or something like that or less on actually getting through and eventually getting an offer. Yeah, that's a pretty common story. I just want to kind of reiterate for some people in the chat too of, talking about their hesitation, their imposter syndrome, they're like questioning whether or not like to continue with it, et cetera. And I'm going to steal a quote from Danny Thompson and kind of butcher it a little bit, but like very passionately talks about like the only thing you guarantee if you stop is that you're never going to make the transition that you're looking for. And I've been doing this. I have a lot of experience with people going through this transition, having taught again, like starting at 300 people and then graduating 120 or so. I've seen tons and tons of people make this transition. I've seen tons of people, everyone basically struggle with it a lot. 
at times, especially. And I think you called out one thing earlier that's super important is the people who come in thinking they're going to do it by themselves are typically not going to be successful. So I put a link to the chat to the Learn, Build, Teach Discord, which I think is a great resource. There's also other ones if people are interested. So I'm not just like promoing mine. But I think you need to have that community around you. You need to have people that you can trust. You need to have other people tell you, it's okay, I feel the same way, I'm nervous, et cetera. Like you just, you need that community around you because that transition is a very, very difficult thing to go with, go through. Absolutely, yeah, could not agree more. It's so hard when you're learning something for yourself to know, A, that you're even learning the right thing. So having the validation that like you're learning even the correct things and being able to bounce those off of each other. And then just being able to like see examples of other people who've had success. Like when I was in coding bootcamp, and was like, I can't apply for jobs. I'm like, oh, well, these four other people already got jobs and they know the same things that I do. So mm-hmm. I guess I should be ready. Whereas if I was just trying to learn myself, I would probably still right now just haven't, yep. wouldn't have even applied for a job yet. I'd be like, I'm terrible. I'll never be able to do this. That's so I think cool, that's, man. you have to have that. Mm-hmm. If you want to do this, like you, you have to have people that you can work with and, you know, <laughs> bounce ideas off of. I'd also be curious to see what you guys think and what your experience was. But I know when I've learned a new skill, say like take React. When I moved from jQuery to React, there wasn't a moment Whoa, where I'm how like, how long ago was this? <laughs> it was years ago. It was yesterday. <laughs> but it was probably later than it should have been. But the point was like, I felt so uncomfortable learning React, but there wasn't a moment where I'm like, oh, the light bulb went off and everything just made sense. Like there's still moments even now where I feel a little uncomfortable with React if I hit an edge case that I haven't learned before and trying to research that. But then that's an error message that I now know what that means. And the next time I can solve it really fast. And I think that's why a lot of times people will give you the advice of just build projects because the more that you build, the more error messages you run into and the more and the wider your experience is. Yeah. So <laughs> drive it home even more. Like there's not a point where you eventually are like, oh, I'm an engineer now and I'm good at things. Like I still, I'm making these videos and I still don't know what I'm doing with all kinds of stuff. Like I'm, I was, we were talking about that. I think it was before we started recording, but it's like the reason I started even doing this in the first place was, you know, it seems like a pretty high leverage activity in, in general. We were talking about brand, which maybe we'll get into, but moreover, it's like, it gives me a reason to continue learning new things. Yeah. So I'll, I make videos on things and people are like, wow, how could I know this? I'm like, I didn't know this. <laughs> Six hours ago. Google. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, I just this. I just Cat learned GPT. this. I just yeah, went and watched a James Quick video on how to do it. And now I'm <laughs> teaching it again to you. It's like, it's not, you know, when you look at the content creators that you're looking at and you're like, wow, these people know all the things. I mean, I guess I can't speak for everybody, but I know for myself, I don't know all the things. I just am like, that would be cool to know how to do. I learned how to do it. And then I make a video on it. Yeah. Yeah. The I think that's an important thing, Amy, that you called out is the transition piece of like, going from jQuery to React and basically being in that same beginner position that you were with jQuery the first time or with JavaScript from the beginning, which may have also been synonymous with jQuery at the time. But like things changed. And I had this interesting epiphany at the start of my career where I was doing technical evangelism for Microsoft, which meant I was talking to audiences of people at the age of 22 that had been writing code as long as I had been alive. But I was teaching them about things that they just didn't have experience with. So we have to like, have to remember there's always something new to learn we all go through ups and downs of feeling confident in the thing we're working on and then transitioning into learning something new that never goes away and i do want to call out like i think it was john in the chat that commented like i feel like i'm struggling with concepts now and i I don't really know what to do do you have any advice other than building projects and i have two responses to that one is my first 
instinct is build projects. And the reason I can call that out, even after clarifying, and I'm not saying this is what John is doing specifically, what most people do, what a lot of people do is they build something in a safe zone of something they know how to do. And they don't use that as a way to force themselves to learn. So once you start building something a little bigger, maybe than what you envisioned, and now you're having to go and figure those things out, it starts to make a lot more sense. And also there are concepts that I like studied. I'm doing air quotes for people on the podcast that I studied in computer science classes in college that I did not understand until five or six years later in a different context. So if you feel like things aren't making sense, don't feel like that's a super big problem. Use that as a gauge of like, here are some things I can continue to work on and try to understand and maybe hear some different perspectives and stuff, but literally went through like years of not knowing what, how really like the basics of object oriented programming and inversion of control and all these other keywords that like never made any sense to me until I got presented to them in a different context where I was actually building stuff myself. Yeah. I think, you know, another thing too is when I've people say build projects, you're like, well, what do I do? How do I start? A lot of times I'll have a project and then I'll take a course. And then as I'm working through the course, I'm like, Oh, that's how I apply that to this project. And that, transference is really big in the learning process because it's not just like I'm doing a tutorial, I'm stuck in tutorial hell, but I'm like, how does this apply to my specific use case? So that's huge. And then the other thing is you're like, I don't even know what to build. I would encourage you to find an open source project that you can contribute to. Our friend Brian Douglas has a project called Open Sauced Mm -hmm. and he helps pair people that want to work on open source projects with existing projects. And so that's huge for being able to find a mentor, find somebody that is willing to help you. And a lot of times open source maintainers want that help regardless of what level you're at, because they, in a lot of ways, have more work than they know what to do with. So if they can bring somebody on to help, they're more than happy to help mentor. So don't think, well, I'm so early. What do I have to contribute? A lot of times these first issues, they will even say, this is how you solve the problem. I just don't have time to actually write the code. I couldn't agree more. So the tactic that I kind of used, which everyone probably won't have the luxury of being able to do this, but if you know somebody who runs a business or has an actual problem, just in general is a real thing, building something for somebody else, at least for me, because uh, one of the hard parts about building something, you picking up a project is most people just stop working on it as soon as they hit a wall. So I had mentioned earlier, my, my brother owns a roofing company. So my first big project that I built on my own was some project management software for him that solved problems that he needed. And that gave me, I mean, it's, I learned more building that project than I've learned doing anything else, like any actual job that I've worked, anything. But I had, I'm trying to think of like the right word for it, kind of, I guess, the incentive to like keep working on it because I'm building something for somebody else and I don't want to, you know, let him down. I want to help him build the thing that he needs. And then it makes you feel good too because you get to build a thing and then see it. You know, they're still using it now. They have this big board in their office where they drag the things around and they get to see all the stuff I've made that's actually being used. It's not just sitting on my GitHub collecting dust which is a really cool way to go about it. If you can, you know, not everybody knows somebody who needs some big thing built for them, but. I would say, even if you're like, oh man, I'm not even at that phase. <laughs> like say you yeah. are absolute beginner. I would encourage you to even look at like the no code, low code options that are out there. Like Webflow, for example, the whole styling palette that they have is still using all of the same CSS terms that you would use if you're actually writing CSS. So what that does is that gets you thinking like a front end developer you get used to the terminology. This is Flexbox. This is Grid. 
And then that knowledge is easily transferable to now you just write the syntax instead of clicking on a bunch of buttons. Now you're able to actually write the code. I mean, same with other stuff like Bubble. You're creating applications, you're dragging and dropping, but you start to think like a developer. And that's really, in my mind, a huge part of that transition and why once you learn one language, it's easier to pick up other languages. You already understand the concepts. It's just, what does the syntax look like? How does that apply to this specific language? I want to highlight, like, I don't know. I wish I could like triple star this. So I'm going to bring up a comment and the comments that I'm going to use this quote from now on. So thank you for sharing this. I feel like learning is just your first exposure to a concept that you will later use in your work environment. And going back to my experience of like, I quote unquote learned and studied a lot of things in computer science in college. None of them ever made sense to me until I actually experienced that problem on my own. There's an infinite difference between reading about a technical concept in a book versus experiencing that concept, finding the solution, and then understanding why the solution exists because you understood the problem first. This is like, I'm going to keep this quote forever and use this. <laughs> this is awesome. Tom, well, I th- think there was one of your videos where you talked about applying for jobs. And I think it was one that I ended up stitching because I, it was a topic that I am like equally as passionate about and love. But I think this particular one was the idea of like two different approaches and mix of them of how you apply for jobs. One is mm-hmm. you just find as many jobs as you can, and you throw out a resume and you see what happens. The other is you start to add more concentrated effort to how you apply to jobs and reaching out to recruiters or people that work at that company or just anything to make the least bit connection so you're not just a random name on a resume coming through. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe what your approach was at the time for jobs? Maybe it wasn't this. And if so, how it's evolved over time? Absolutely. Yeah. So this has kind of been the approach that I've talked about or that I've always used. So the video you're referencing, I think I called it use a spear, not a net or something like that, which the idea is just anytime I see people that say, hey, I've applied to 500 jobs and no one's gotten back to me. You haven't applied to 500 jobs. You've clicked apply and maybe you filled out the (laughs) thing. And maybe you're only selecting jobs that have 10,000 people that are trying to apply to them because it's Google or Twitter or whatever. There's a couple of issues where that might be. But really, it's just you're not giving yourself a reason to stand out. And you're not or maybe you're not showing that you actually have any interest in the job. If you're just sending a resume and it's just a normal resume with no kind of additions to it, you're not giving a good good cover letter that shows why you actually care about this position specifically. There's somebody else has done that and they're going to move up the stack faster than you are. So instead of just going and applying for jobs, what I did, I guess the first thing that I did is realized that like I would have some bit of leverage over everybody else who had just learned React that's also trying to get the same jobs if I was able to at least show that I understood the product that I was working with. So I actually have one video that I haven't put out yet that I, or I haven't recorded yet, but I've scripted out about. Yeah, so the second I got two offers whenever I was first starting to apply for jobs. Actually, I didn't end up getting that offer for this one. I told them no before the negotiation started, but got through all the interviews with this one with a company called Autodesk. A lot of people might know Autodesk. They make like 3D software, but they had just bought a company called Building Connected, which Building Connected is kind of like LinkedIn for general contractors. So like if you're trying to bid out a job, for instance, like if you're building a Walmart and you need to find the guy who's going to do the drywall, you can go on there and do handle all of that through Building Connected. And that was perfect for me because I grew up in construction. So, and I applied like normal, but I also spent maybe an hour like finding the correct guy to message and ask about this job. And I wrote to him, I'm like, hey, in fact, it was a senior job too. Like it was a job that I was not qualified for at all. But I was like, hey, I know it's a senior job. I don't know any of the things you're asking for. Um, <laughs> but 
I know this product. Like, I think I literally sent him a picture of me in a diaper when I was a baby with a tool belt on. Nice. And I was like, this is like, I promise, like, if you let me have this job, like I'm going to be able to, you know, I might not be the guy who can architect your entire system, but I'm not going to leave or whatever, you know, however, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but something like that. I'm like, this is something that I know really well from a product side. And the guy messaged me back and he's like, well, we do have another job that we're planning on opening up. You obviously can't have this job, um, <laughs> but you sound very interested. And in like, obviously this would be, you know, your enthusiasm would be great. So I ended up getting through and getting a, an offer from them. And I've done that pretty much any job that I can find, like any job that I'm generally genuinely interested in, which I think is a, a, the best way to go about it. You want to work somewhere where you're interested in what you're working on, find a way to make yourself, you know, to show that you're genuinely interested and why you're genuinely interested. Like for me, Eventbrite, like where I work right now. So this is a funny story. I, I guess I don't remember what we talked about on and off record, but I spent years trying to be a musician and I made electronic music and Eventbrite had an opening and it was with a team that was for a company that they had just acquired called Tone Den. Tone Den was an event marketing business. They did a couple of other things, but I used them. I was one of their first users in 2014. So I messaged them and I was like, I was also qualified for the job at this point. So I didn't have to, you know, do all of the stuff I probably had to do earlier in my career. I could actually be like, hey, also, I can actually do this job. But I very quickly just, you know, I got an interview in 10 minutes. They're like, oh, cool. This is awesome. Like, you're the exact type of person that we want working on this thing. And this worked out really well because I was able to say like, hey, like I think in my very first interview, one of the guys interviewed me was one of the original engineers there. And he looked up when I signed up for Tone Den and I was like the 10,000th user out of like millions. That's cool. Yeah. So it's like, you know, just little things that you can leverage like that. Obviously, that's just a hilarious coincidence, but whatever it is, pretend, you know, maybe you grew up on a farm. Like I, I put out a video yesterday. I was just looking at different jobs. Go to John Deere and be like, hey, I grew up on a farm. I know about tractors. That has nothing to do with my software engineering job, but it does mean that I like you. And they'll be like, oh, cool. Interesting. Like, let's talk to this person. And that's worked for me really, really, really well. That's so good. There's a comment in the chat from Tucker Tech talking about this is a timely stream, how they have a background in tax law and finance background. And the fact that trying to verbalize the transferable skills is something that they're learning daily. And I think like I've talked about this so much regardless of what job you had in the past or career you had in the past, there's something in there that you can talk about from an experience and from a skill set perspective. It's just your job to figure out how to translate that and communicate that in a way that's going to make sense. And so even though it wasn't necessarily like a technical skill for you, having experience with that product and having the awareness to go and share that connection with them already is going to give you a leg up on other developers because having business understanding of the product that you're working on is an advantage. They have business analysts whose job is to specifically understand the use cases for people using the product. And if you come into that as a developer, now you're bringing an additional skill set that someone else that's never seen it before would not have. So I love the ability to find that custom connection, proactively reach out because you make like the slightest connection with people just just one person has seen your name before or they've seen a TikTok or they've seen you on LinkedIn, just something tiny is enough for them to say, hey, hiring manager, we should look at this person because otherwise it's just a bunch of digital resumes, a lot of which get automatically filtered and a lot of them get turned down for various different reasons. It's just tough to get to the actual interview process when you're not doing any of those supplementary actions to try to make that connection. Totally. Well, so this is funny. As that video I did yesterday, I was like just finding entry level jobs and I just made a video about it. But one of the jobs was for Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast is hiring a bunch of people right now. And each one of them had like 
three, four, five thousand people had applied for it. Like the most applications I'd ever seen. And I'm just thinking it's like as soon as most people look at that, they're like, there's no way I would apply. And I probably wouldn't be able to get through that stack. But if you're a 19 year old kid who's been making content since you were, you know, 12 or whatever, which is a lot of kids and you've learned to code, (laughs) you're the perfect person. Like, don't be scared away by this 3000 people. Like, figure out how you can get through to the right person and, you know, show that you're passionate about this thing. And like you have a leg up on all 3000 of mm-hmm. you know, those people. But that's another thing is that I've talked about this a couple of times and a lot of people have said, Oh, well, I'm 18. I don't have any past work experience or whatever. Like I was a welder. So it's like, yeah, it would be easy for me to go work at Belfort BD or something, which makes sense for a welder, but it doesn't even need to be work experience. It's just, you need to show that you're interested and you understand. So if you were in high school, if you were a lacrosse player, it's like, I'm sure you could go, you know, maybe Warrior is hiring or something. I played lacrosse in high school. So that's just a random thing that I've thought of. But whatever it is, you don't need to have been a professional in something and then have leveraged that, which some people are able to do. But if whatever it is, just things that you like, you're going to be able to talk about more than other people. And it's going to show that you care more about the job than other people do. And it's if you're equal or even a little bit under somebody else who's in the resume, but you actually like the job and care about it, like that's going to give you a big advantage, I think. Webflow is really interesting. They even have a statement on their application that says, even if you qualify for 50% of our requirements, Mm -hmm. go ahead and apply. Like you could still be a great fit for us. And I think the story that you told earlier about being a junior and applying for a senior position and the fact that they were able to refer you to another position because they recognized your passion is a perfect example of something like that being successful. Absolutely. Yeah. I did that for a bunch of jobs. It's like, uh, it probably isn't as good as trying to find, you know, the actual entry level things, but it's like, if you really want to work somewhere, it's a great way to find your way in. Like Mm -hmm. I would find, I would even try and find jobs that were like more niche. Like if you're just applying to backend engineer, it's like that as all of the people applying to it. But if you find like embedded, whatever, blah, 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 engineer, it has three applications. It's like, I would go through that and be like, I'm not qualified for this, but I know that someone's actually going to see this because only three people have applied Mm -hmm. for this job. And that seemed to work pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. At least that was a strategy I used. I guess it might not have worked very well, but it seems like it worked pretty well. (laughs) I mean, like, I would say what qualifies as worked very well is any response whatsoever. Totally. Because any connection is valuable, like, especially if it's a company that you're able to communicate. I would really love to work for this company. I understand this may be a long shot. I understand this may not be the position for me, but for them to have somebody be excited to work at their company, most likely they're going to remember you later on when they do have that role. And especially at certain companies, like these job postings and levels are very flexible. Like if they can Mm -hmm. find the person that they think is the right fit, they're just not a senior. A lot of companies will just make it not a senior position and they'll change the job description to fit and then bring you on and have you grow with the team. But showing that excitement and making any personal connection at all with a person or team member or whatever at that company is huge. We just did this. I've just gotten to where I'm actually interviewing people. And with the last position we just hired for my team, a guy came and it was like a principal level front end guy. And we didn't think he was there, but he was like very personable and like seemed like he'd be a great manager. And they referred him for a management role. Yeah. Nice. So that kind of goes along with what I was going to ask. If you've started interviewing, what are things that you look for in the interview process? So I'm probably not the best person to ask. It's kind of funny because I like just getting to like senior level. I'm technically L2, but I'm kind of like running our front end right now. And I'm hoping for the next cycle, I'll actually get that promotion. Eventbrite, you heard it here. 
Yeah, come on, guys. Good luck. That'd be good. But I'm interviewing, like, the only people I've interviewed so far are, like, levels above me. And I'm kind of, like, shadowing. So, I mean, I could give opinions, but I don't think my opinions should be something that people should listen to because I've interviewed all of five or ten people. So I would be uncomfortable giving a super strong opinion. (laughs) I think your opinions are valid. So even if it's not super opinionated, I would love to hear what goes through your mind in an interview. Yeah, because they asked you to be in the room for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Hmm. It's hard. So like the position that we just hired for, so I guess I probably interviewed five or 10 different people. We just actually had the guy start like a week ago was like I said, a principal level front end guy. Mm -hmm. And for us, it was like technical was important, but it was very like speed was very important on our team where we just launched in April, like our product in April. And we're essentially like a startup inside of Eventbrite. So we're like changing things every 10 seconds. So someone who's like has a high level understanding, but has shown that they can like work quickly and work well with people and their personable was very important. So we actually had a couple of people, this might be helpful for some people. Like we had a couple of people come in that were very, very technical, very obviously technical and have built really cool things, but seemed not like the best people to work with. And the guy we ended up finding is also very technical, probably similar in part of these people, but very obviously very personable. Like he came in, smile in the room, had done, like I talked about, done research about Eventbrite. He worked at Okta before he was here, I think, but had a bunch of, you know, very specific questions about the products we were building and about Eventbrite and was, you know, smile on his face and very obviously a happy person. And that I think is why a lot of people ended up choosing him to go forward, including me, where it's like, we had a lot of strong technical candidates, but just because you're strong technically, someone else who people actually want to work with and cares about the product, like I said, like they did with this was the person that we ultimately was like, we're like, this is the right person for this job. I don't know if you knew this. Well, I worked at Alcero when Okta acquired Alcero and my wife oh, works nice. at Okta Alcero now. Um, oh, I did not know Also, awesome. here's my like controversial opinion of the day. And I don't know if it's like, not I don't know if I fully believe it. If you're going to say what I'm like, say. I'm like closer and closer to believing it. I almost confidently believe the soft and professional skills are more important than the technical skills. It's hard to like confidently say that, but I think they're much more important than many people give them credit for. And I think a lot of people end up losing out on opportunities because they can't communicate. They don't seem like they know how to work with other people. And then when you look at like progression of title, I've always looked at your sphere of influence. So when you're a junior developer, like your sphere of influence is you and like the little bit of code that you write or like however much that is like, you're able to influence the stuff that just you do yourself. When you look at like migrating to the senior level, like now you're starting to expand that sphere of influence where you have opinions for best practices. You're able to teach other people. You're able to communicate things, et cetera. And you keep going up. Like there is this approach of like just being wildly technical and you can live in a bubble. For the most part though, moving up that ladder again is like broadening that sphere of influence where it's not just me. It's not just my teammate that sits next to me. It's not just my team. Now working across teams and across organizations for best practices and architecture and that sort of stuff. And the communication aspect of that and the other personal and professional skills that go along with it are like so, so important for moving up that traditional ladder. I thought what you were going to share. That was good. Oh, no. But oh, what I thought you were going to share. Thought. Well, it's the, I'm still quoting you. Is just talking about the skills that you develop that set you aside from other applicants. Mm. And so, for example, you will talk about how you're a teacher. And so mm. everybody else on your team is elevated because you're teaching. Yep. Or I can talk about how I do design work as well as coding. So everything that your team produces is going to look better or be marketed better. And so when you're talking about you're in a pool of 3,000 people, you all have the same technical level. How do you set yourself apart? And if you can figure out what those special 
skills are that you bring to the table, then that is going to make you stand out above all everyone else. So I think like the TEDx engineer thing, like is a real thing. Like, I think that actually exists. Like, I think there's people who are great, but I think most of that comes from context. I mean, there's some people that are just, obviously there's levels to these things, but most of the people that I see that are by far the most effective in companies are just people who understand how all the pieces fit together. And because something pops up, you know, for me, like I'm getting there with our product at Eventbrite, it's like I can pretty quickly fix something. I might know the exact same things as somebody else. I just understand how the product works. So it's much easier for me. But if you are going in somewhere and you're one of these people who's like not very communicative, you might be a 10X engineer on your own, but you can't make other people that. Whereas if somebody might not be as qualified as that person, but they're very good at like one of the principal engineers on my team is like the best person I've ever worked with. He's awesome. And he's very quick to anytime anybody comes on, make sure everybody understands the context for everything. If you have any problems, he responds in five seconds. And he is able to multiply his effort by, you know, every single person that's on the team because he's so good at sharing knowledge. So does somebody who's better than him exist? I'm sure. But if that person isn't as good as at getting other people on the team up to speed, then you know, they're not going to be as effective anyways, because other people are on your team as well working, right? So that would be like an overall net loss. Like you may get more technical skill out of one person, but the overall impact on the team would probably be net negative versus the person that you're talking about. There's a comment in the chat from Tucker Tech saying in an interview or something, a manager told them was two things. Can you code? And do we want to work with you for two years, <laughs> which for the next two years, which makes all like that. Do we want to work with you for the next two years encapsulates so many of the skills that we just talked about that are really important to having a good culture, to having a good team and to having a team that is like growing and learning together. I would say potential is another piece. Like when I interviewed for my team, one of the things that I would look at is you know, we did a live coding session where we're pairing together and I'm asking them to build something. And I hired somebody that said, I have no idea how to do that. Like, just, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. And the fact that they were honest about it, they didn't say, well, let's see what we can do. You know, they were honest about where they were, but I saw potential and an eagerness to learn. And we still ended up hiring that person. So I think that's another thing is be honest with where you're at and show the potential that this is where you want to be. And you feel like that job can help you get there. That it's a collaborative effort. I can say that specifically helped me a lot in my first job. So my first job was at Wayfair. I was there for probably like a year and a half. And I essentially got like a data engineering job, which is not something that I still don't even really love to do. But I was like, this is a great way to to stretch my abilities. I actually went in through kind of an accelerator program that they have there. That's like a two month thing. And then you get placed on a team. And I did well, but like the the first thing that I told them was like, hey, give me something that I'm going to be really bad at and like, let me try and learn. And I went and talked to different teams and found this team. And it was something that was like very hard and kind of convinced them to be like, yeah, okay. Like, I think that you're going to work hard enough to be able to do this well. Whereas a lot of people may have done like the comfortable thing. It ended up working out really well for me. I think that accelerated my progression by a lot. And I think that's a thing that a lot of people look for sure. It's like, are you going to be dedicated to actually, you know, being better than you are right now? Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's important for companies to support as well. Like having either financial or other means to support you for growing. So financial is like paying for you to go to a conference or paying for trainings or paying for online course content or having dedicated time for learning and getting better, et cetera, which is super important. Doesn't happen all that often well, I think. Talking about content for you, I want to do at least a few minutes of like, What's the difference in content now for you 
versus when you started? So when you started, it was kind of a like I'll use learn, build, teach as an example, like a better way to learn, a way to teach people, and a way to build stuff, etc. You've got, I think it's like thirty thousand followers on TikTok. Like you've got an audience, which is amazing. Do you think of that a little different? Do, like, do you think about your brand or like long term content anymore now? I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> if I'm being entirely honest with you, like I we had talked about a little bit, like my my main things for this was. A, I think that anybody having any kind of personal brand is super valuable. And B, I just wanted to give myself a reason to learn things. So I'm still figuring out what is the highest leverage thing that I can do. What is the most useful thing to actually be teaching people? I can't say I take it definitely more seriously now than I did at the beginning. Like I think some of the stuff I did at the beginning, I was like, you know, I recorded five of them in one day and just kind of didn't even make any cuts and just like threw them up. Whereas now I'm like putting a lot more thought into it and trying to do something that's more useful than just like, you know, here's how you reverse a string or whatever, as I was just learning how to use everything. But no, I'm still figuring out what I'm doing. Yep. So if anybody else, if anybody else is interested in making content, just start doing it. <laughs> that's all. You don't need to know what you're doing. Yeah, that's, that's always been our me. like number one recommendation is just to start and then do it somewhat consistently because a lot of people overthink like I don't have the right gear, I don't know what topic, I don't know blah blah blah. And, and the reality is like you'll figure that out the more you do it. But you have to do it to get to the point where you actually have more opinions for yourself and can kind of guide mm-hmm. what you think your focus is going forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was worried about like when I first started about showing my face and about like even mm-hmm. recording my voice and putting these things out. And it's like, if you sit there and think about it, you'll try and like make a plan for how you like your master yeah. plan for how it's going to work. And then maybe you'll try and it's not going to work. The best mm-hmm. thing you can do is just start putting yourself out there and then adjusting as you go. Like I've kind of gotten into this interesting niche of what people seem to find pretty useful. I guess this makes sense because it's very visual, but what a lot of people like in my videos is like very animation based stuff. Like some of my biggest videos is like a lot of web animations and frame motion and stuff like that, which is not something that I am like a master in. It's just something that I've seen that people find useful. So I've like kind of gone down that path a little bit. I probably won't go down that path forever. There's other kind of tangents that you can go on. But if I had sat around and been like, how am I going to get a million views on a video on TikTok and whatever, I, you'd never come to it. I just you kind of find your way there one step at a time, you know? We didn't prep this. I actually didn't do this in the last episode. So Tom, I'll give you the opportunity to be put on the spot or not. We usually end with a section called picks and plugs. So we pick something that we've used <laughs> recently, bought recently, et cetera, that we enjoy. Um, and then plug is like anything that we want to plug on our own. And I didn't prepare myself either for this. So Maybe Amy will be able you to start. kick us off. We'll see. That's a good uh, wish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did pick something. I'm glad I pulled it up. Otherwise, I would have forgotten. So this is going to be a little late if you're not listening live. So sorry, but you can also look for it. So Josh Komu, who I'm a huge fan of, has released The Joy of React. So if you go to joyofreact.com. And his courses are just really in-depth and the site's beautiful in general. He also has a CSS course that's been pretty popular, but I purchased it just to see his course experience, period. So he's built a custom course experience where you have different exercises intermingled and it really is just a work of art. So if you're trying to level up or learn something new, I would encourage you to check it out at joyofreact.com. So he has early access available for one more day. So that means it will close on February 1st, but you can also purchase later. You just won't get the early access. And then for my plug, I'm going to, 
I'm assuming James will probably plug this too, but I want to plug the Learn, Build, Teach Discord community. So a lot of people have said, I'm trying to learn. That's a great place to get connected and be able to network with people. And when you run into those bugs, be able to find someone to help you troubleshoot. So if you go to learnbuildteach.com, it will redirect you to the Discord server and you can join. So it's a great thing. <laughs> cool. You got it or you want me to take it? I can go next and then I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a few extra seconds to prepare. So as a content creator, I take lots of selfies to put on my cliche YouTube thumbnails, which is also like a weird thing. Like no matter how, like you, you always kind of judge people that do it. And I judge people that do it too, but I'm one of those people. So I like judge myself as I'm doing it. Cause I haven't gotten myself whatever. to do it yet, but I need to you do will. it. Yeah, you will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> so one of the difficulties is people may not think about this when you take pictures on your phone, for example, like newest iPhone is really, really great camera. Most people take selfie cams because you can actually see yourself and frame yourself etc the front facing camera is not near as good as the back facing camera and anyway so on the video i've got a tripod and a mount for my phone and i can turn it and do selfie thing but what i got is this add-on you won't like fully be able to see this but it's a little mirror basically that like points down to my phone where i can see just enough of the reflection of the selfie to where i can use the back camera but then also be able to see see myself frame. So it's from it's one of my favorite brands, Ulanzi, Ulanzi, one of my favorite brands for like accessories for content creation and stuff. All their stuff is really top notch. But it's basically just a mirror thing that kind of flips down in front of your phone to show you reflection of yourself in the camera. So it does like just enough to be able to take selfies of yourself with I guess that's cliche or like what's the word? Repetitive. <laughs> just enough so you can take the selfies and use the back facing camera which is the better camera i need that <laughs> done that's awesome <laughs> sold <laughs> and then i guess i'll do learn build teach discord as well but i've been kind of picking out something specific in there to advertise so one of the things that we're doing is i'm starting to do streams internal to discord and ideally like this wouldn't just be me but i want to do it with me to kind of kick it off and kind of see how people react so last week we did our first one and I did a live solution to an advent of code challenge. And that was a ton of fun. I hadn't, I didn't prep at all intentionally so that we could like figure it out together and kind of teach it along the way. The thing I'm going to do in this next one is go through and look at features and things that we want for the site and or discord bot and talk through them and then document them in GitHub to hopefully have other people give them the details they would need to contribute with other issues and features and maybe bug fixes, et cetera. So I'm looking to use that time to get other people involved from a code perspective and then other fun ideas as we have them. But you can find that out at learnbuildteach.com. You guys have such great answers. I'm like, <laughs> wish I had had this earlier. I, um, if only we had done our job and prepared you for it. It's okay. On the spot. <laughs> I, I'm going for it. The first thing my mind went to with these was like jokes. And I'm like, no, try and find something useful. So pick. Okay, one thing I did recently is probably a handful of months ago was the, I don't know if you guys have, you know, Bruno Simon, the 3JS journey. Have you seen that? Yes. You seen this so course? Good. Yes. Amazing. Oh so so have you seen the portfolio? It's like everyone has seen this portfolio. I'll link the link. It's yeah. Every, everyone has seen this portfolio. It's like the, like the little car and you like drive it around and you can like knock it into mm-hmm. stuff and like see his projects and stuff. So that guy's Bruno Simon and he made a course on 3JS. And I think he actually just, I haven't gone back and done it yet, but added react three fiber to it. And I need to go back and do that as well, but it's fantastic. Like I went from like, this seemed very, very hard to 
a pretty solid understanding of being able to build things with 3JS. After doing that, it's a pretty long course. I think it's probably 50 or 60 hours or something like that. And it's tough to get through, but it, it's fantastic. He's great. So if you guys haven't checked that out, let me make sure that that's yeah, 3JS journey. I think it's dash journey, 3JS yeah. journey.com. Yeah, I, st- I stuck it in the comments. I have yeah. also purchased that and it's a fantastic course. In fact, like it's worth just going to the site and clicking around because it is an experience. Like it's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's also, the, yeah, it's the coolest website ever. <laughs> and seeing some of the other stuff he's done is amazing. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to be able to build that the second you get through this, but you will be able to understand how you could go about building something like that. It's really cool. As for plug, I couldn't think of anything. <sighs> what would I want to plug? I plug your TikTok. My TikTok's TikTok a good amazing. one. So TikTok, I'm trying to start doing YouTube. I'm terrible about it. Hopefully when I have a bigger space, like I have such a problem. So I got a nice camera, but I'm right next to a wall. And I only have like one size of lens and my webcam's not good enough. I'm like, ugh. So I'm like been putting it off till I get to the new set, new house and I have more space and I can like have a nice setup. But I'm trying to get better on YouTube. YouTube's also Tom is loading. One thing I will say, which hopefully this helps your sponsors, is I did start using daily.dev recently. And daily.dev yes! is sick. So yeah, we'll go with that. If you guys haven't actually downloaded daily.dev, I know you probably see it all over the place. You should. It is a great place for me to steal content. That's what I've been using it for. <laughs> It's, I know you say that jokingly, but it's also super serious where we all as content creators get tons of inspiration from other people. And I often use, like I find out about new products that I think other people would be really interested in. And I try to use my platform to be able to get exposure to other cool things that people in the community are building. And oftentimes I find them through daily.dev. So it's like, it's easily a sponsor, obviously, that I use every day and really believe in. And it's awesome to hear like your personal feedback with using them as well. I, think I found a, I made a video recently on, a, I think his name is Steven Zhang. He's like the dude that got like, there was this really popular Medium article that he wrote about how he got like 20 Fang offers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think I pulled that directly off of there and made a video about it. But no, it's really, it's awesome. It's like one of those things I think we talked about a little bit, like for myself, like I kind of have to make myself continue learning things. Like, look, just expanding my scope of the things that I want to learn. And that's a great way of like every time I open, you know, a new tab, it's like, oh, cool new thing that I would not have even thought about. And I can take the five minutes to read it and get myself to continue expanding my knowledge. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode. If you're listening in Podcatcher of some sort, please leave a rating and a review to help other people find the podcast so we can continue to do episodes with amazing guests like tom thank you guys for having me so much this is awesome again starstruck it's awesome that i'm here after (laughs) starting making you know opening up my camera and starting to make videos in august or whatever it was yeah wouldn't have thought i would have been here so this is really cool cool love that in the meantime that's all we got